Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. This is the podcast where a guy with a film degree. Hey, guys, and yawns during the intro. Talk to you about movies. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> this week, we start off our movie reviews with a movie review for our super fan who is having her birthday, Nikki. We're watching Ever After because she asked us to do that, and we do, and we respond to listener requests and mail. And I'm just making this joke run on too long, like Melissa McCarthy in Thunder Force. <laughs> that review coming up now on this episode of Brownie Points. Alright everybody, welcome to our first review of the week. It is not a new release, like we said. There's there's no beer pop, by the way. Oh, oh, sad face. Sorry, Nikki. Uh, <laughs> I, already, I already cracked the uh, the water bottle that I needed. Gotcha. Um, I'm still working on my soda from the last... Uh, oh, no, I'm not. I'm drinkless right now. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize it was empty. We already had our break. Ha, huh, suck it. You have to go through this whole review without moistening your throat. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> Is my oh my chapstick's not here either. Oh, great. I'm probably gonna be <laughs> You're just gonna shove it to the back of your throat and coat it and you're like moisten your throat sir. Oh, oh god. Oh. <laughs> Did I ever tell you? So this is crucial to this movie review. There was a guy when I was working and renting cars. Um, he was one of the people that uh he like his job was to wash and clean the cars. And uh he was helping deliver uh, some cars for us and I was kind of going over like the battle plan of stuff with him and I uh, as I'm talking to him and looking him square in the eye I pulled out my chapstick and I put it on and he goes I'll do whatever you tell me just never look me square in the eye and put on chapstick again because <laughs> it went this is a terrible thing because this is very visual but do you have me up on your camera yeah 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 it's like, I was like, all right, so we're going to take that and we're going to deliver that over there. And then we're going to make sure that it's over there by this time. And then we're just going to do this. Is that, are you cool with that? And he goes like, whatever you say, just don't ever do that again. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. <laughs> I love that that bothered him so much. That's... <laughs> to, be, to be fair, here's the thing. To be fair. I'm not even like they like I was I'm not even saying like oh it's just like something weird that some people are from I actually 100% agree with him like I did that he told me that and I was like you know what you're 100% right that is weird I'll stop doing that <laughs> Oh my god that's funny um anyway on to the movie at hand uh listeners if you didn't see in the title before you hit play we're doing the time machine first for our super fan Nikki it is her birthday. Happy birthday. And she asked that we do the 1990 Months ago, by the way. That's another thing to point out. Bet you thought we'd forget. We actually did remember. <laughs> yes. Yes, we, we did. A uh, long time coming. This was, but... this was asked right after the Carrie review came out. 
Oh God, it was that long ago, wasn't it? It was. It was about. Uh, I think the week after the Carrie review came out, she asked, "Hey, could you do this?" Uh, uh, or she said something along the lines of, "Like, thank you for the Carrie review. I enjoyed it. Would you guys do uh, Ever After, especially on my birthday, which is, uh, which is whatever? I don't off the top of my head. I don't remember, but uh, May, it's May eighteenth, next Tuesday. <laughs> so, happy birthday, and. Also, I bet you thought we'd forget this. <laughs> well, we didn't, and we watched it. It was on Disney Plus. Uh, obviously, we would have rented it anyway. But uh, but yeah, it is an adaptation of the fabled Cinderella story. We've had numerous adaptations of it: the animated uh, Disney film, the live-action Disney film, the Rodgers and Hammerstein version. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still my phone background a week later. Why? Sorry. Why? <laughs> My God, I'm trying to introduce the movie and listeners, Nick shows me this horrifying phone background that he's insisted on keeping. <laughs> it's so dumb. I legitimately, and I, I promise I'll stop, but like, okay, so that pops up whenever anything comes up on my phone and I just look at it and just start laughing. It's a picture <laughs> of someone in a uh, Barney the Dinosaur costume. And it's made terribly. The pupils are way too small. It looks like Barney did cocaine and then stumbled into some horrible, horrible, violent accident. <laughs> and I just zoomed in on the face and I made that my phone background. And anytime my phone comes on, I now see terrifying Barney. And it's hilarious. <laughs> it's just it. It's just a it's, it's just another day in Times Square because you see a lot of costumes like that in Times Square. <laughs> yeah, but what's funny is in the actual photograph, this is at a grocery store. <laughs> it's too funny. Um, hey, where was I? Oh, anyway, yes, I was uh, recapping. We've had the animated Cinderella. We've had the live action Cinderella, both from Disney. We've had the Rodgers and Hemmerstein one with uh, Whoopi Goldberg in it. Um, and now we've had this one. And oh my god, yeah, she was fair godmother, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Um, yeah. that was a really good one, too. I I haven't seen that in forever. I I might have been, I don't even know if I was 10 years old, like it's been a really long time since I saw that, like single digits. I watched that with my ex not crazy long ago, and we actually saw a stage version of that in Orlando, like that specific one, because it was uh, it had specific music that wasn't in the, the Disney one. Um, and it changed the story, like, just ever so slightly. But, um... Was Whoopi Goldberg in it? <laughs> oh, yeah, she took a break from the... She took a break from the, the view to go on a road production of Cinderella. <laughs> or a touring Rosie production. O Rosie O'Donnell's <laughs> there, too. She's like, you remember when I was famous? <laughs> uh, but, yes, uh, this one... This was the only one I hadn't seen of the Cinderella stories, and I... I think I said it last week, but um, if not, I'll say it again. Um, I am low key a big Cinderella fan. <laughs> I don't know why I'm embarrassed or timid saying that, but I I really am a big fan of the Cinderella story. I in, I'm it, really judging you right now. <laughs> I, I I'm the other versions I've seen, like the Rodgers and Himmerstein one and this one, I like a little more than the Disney one. Even though I do like the the live action version of the Disney one, the animated one's actually my least favorite because I don't. I like the more serious, grounded versions of the story, not the so fantastical and fantasy-driven ones and the musical. I, I can live without music if I have a choice, but um, in terms of this specific film, I, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not saying this just because um, 
because of Nikki, it is her birthday and being nice. Like, I genuinely think this, in terms of its screenplay, is my favorite adaptation of the story. I, I really... I, I would love to read this actual script. And if I was the producer, I would have greenlit this in a heartbeat too. Like this uh, grounded, I'm not trying to blanket it with grounded, but I like that this version is like a historical romantic drama. And a- I-, I was going to say an actual romance and not just, oh my God, we're destined to be together. Why? Oh, cause I saw you and I felt funny on the inside. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. I like that this one takes the story in such a different way like the pieces of the what we've been conditioned to remember from disney are there but it's redone in a much more realistic way that a romance like this would likely go in the real world like and i like that she's got more personality in this one like it's not it's not just the sad sack like i'm so sad because my dad died and my stepsisters and my stepmother are terrible like she actually has a little bit of a personality uh she's very very woke for 98 which just shocked me like she's very uh educated and literate about uh social injustices class inequality feminism like she's she's a really smart cool person and um i like that she spends time with the prince like they get to know each other through the ruse that she does i like that one of the sisters is actually nice um i love angelica houston as the stepmother i think she's the best casted person in this movie because if i do have to give a criticism i don't think any of the acting's really that that great outside of angelica houston like it's nobody's bad but nobody's really exemplary if i'm being honest but um and there's a couple quirks here and there in the story that i think are kind of dumb like i don't really see why it had to be leonardo da vinci like there's a lot of random people in this that's just like trying to be the avengers of like uh, famous people from this kind of French Renaissance era. Like, th- these could have just been normal people. Like, it-, it just felt weird that they were in this. But minor criticisms aside that we'll probably get more into as we go along, um, I still really enjoyed this movie. Like, when it worked, it really, really worked. I was really I was really moved a couple times here and there when it was just her and the prince. Um, I think the some of the scenes between Drew Barrymore and Angelica Houston were excellent. And like I said, this specific version of the story, I like the most. And I would love to see an adaptation of this one specifically and not just like what Disney did with the live action reboot of the other one where it was the same movie, just minus the music. And it's just, I don't know, Cinderella, I really, I don't know. I really connect with Cinderella. I feel, I I, I really connect with the story and I feel bad for the character and I like the way it plays out. Um I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those I've low-key been a real big fan of that I just don't really talk about because I just... I don't know. I'm still one of those guys that's just like, I don't like to brag that I like Cinderella. Um, <laughs> What's your rating? It is um, our third highest. Um, breaking down our rating scale, finally. Uh, one of the best movies we've seen on the show, if not one of the best films of the year, is a movie so good. You are a pan of brownies covered in icing sprinkles and all the fixings on top of it. Pretty good movie overall is a full pan of brownies. A so-so 50-50 is a half pan of brownies. Pretty bad movie overall as a single brownie and a contender from one of the worst films that we've seen this year, if not on the show's history, is a movie so bad you don't even qualify as a brownie. You are a cookie full of raisins. I'm giving it after a pretty enthusiastic full pan. Definitely, it's not not sprinkle worthy. I do have my little gripes with it here and there that I think a remake could knock out of the park in a race. But I hey, I I'm ashamed that I've not seen this version before and now I have and I'm very thankful for it. So thank you, Nikki. <laughs> Uh, half pan. Um, I, I'll start off. I really like that it is an actual love story and not just 
I fell in love with him because type deal. Um, I, I do like that. You can see the relationship grow over the course of the movie and you can also see the difficulties pulled on them by their social class, which at the time was incredibly important, but also by, um, what they want in life. And they like, honestly, they do kind of face real challenges. Um, I agree with you. Leonardo da Vinci feels really weird to be in this movie. Um, there are times where it kind of feels like the story drags a bit. Um, I actually remember, uh, when there's 30 minutes of the movie left, I was like, how on earth is there 30 minutes of the movie? And then literally the thing that causes it to not be over happens and they're like, oh, it's because of this. Okay. Like, I literally have that same note. We paused it at the exact same moment. I, except I wrote 27 minutes. It was yeah, right after I, she ran out. Right. Yeah. Like literally, it's it's right as right as he's about to proc- proclaim his love for her at the uh, at the uh, the ball, and I was like, okay, cool, like they're gonna get married and skickadoo on out of here and whatever. And then and then I paused it or like I I pressed on the remote, like all right, so I wonder like how they're how long it's gonna take them to wrap it up. And it's like there's thirty minutes left. And it's like how on earth is there 30 minutes left you're done <laughs> i had that exact and then, same and, then she st- and then she storms out and i was like oh it's like that okay like i was like how on earth is there half an hour left um i do want to say very early on there is a missed oppor- an opportunity for a missed joke when the guy that's her dad leaves and he walks out and they're all like getting ready to say goodbye to him and he's like i just was like he really missed an opportunity to call every single one of these people gloomy pussies. He could walk out like, what are you gloomy pussies doing about? Um, <laughs> I wrote that same thing down too. <laughs> by, by the way, Dan and I did not share notes with each other uh, before this. Um, I, I thought the exact same, I know the exact moment you're talking about because that exact same thing came to my mind. <laughs> if you are a Seinfeld fan, it's actually really hard to pay attention to this movie because if you've seen the puffy, the poofy shirt episode, that the episode of I don't want to be a pirate. That like everyone has a puffy shirt in this movie, and I kept thinking about that the entire time. Oh, I love um, I love that episode. <laughs> I have okay, so I'm I'm just gonna start cranking out like dumb jokes I had. Um, um, actually, before that, can I knock out the because I, I forgot to do the little uh, who made it intro real quick first. Well, um, I've got, okay, give me okay, give me one more thing because this actually ties into like my viewing of the movie. Oh, okay, like, sure, yeah. So the this movie is done as like a Brothers Grimm style production type thing where they're like, yeah, it's more grounded and it's not supposed to be as fantastical and whimsical. And there's a moment where Cinderella does her stepmom's hair and she sits down in front of the fireplace and she like flips her hair and flips it back. And from the moment she did that, I legitimately thought Pocahontas or not Pocahontas, Cinderella <laughs> I thought Cinderella was going to grab her by the hair, yank her head into the fireplace, light her hair and her head on fire, and watch her stepmother die. I don't know why. The moment she flipped her hair like that, I was like, this is how this woman is going to die, and it's going to be now. And I paused it and told Kelsey. She goes, there was no indication of that happening. I was like, I know. It's really weird. Um, (laughs) One thing that is strange is they're all French. Every single person speaks with a British accent. Except for the one guy that's overtly French. 
Yeah, I. It made me that that actually. I I think I wrote I think I wrote it in my notes too that it reminds me of when Chernobyl came out on HBO and it takes place in uh, Ukraine, Russia. I forgot where it was, but um, everybody just has their accent. Everybody speaks British or Welch or like. Just let everybody have their accent. Like, Drew Barrymore yeah. really slips in and out of her British accent. It's pretty bad, honestly. <laughs> like, there were numerous moments where I noticed that, like, when she gets really emotional and, like, screams at Angelica yeah. Houston, her British accent is gone. <laughs> it's gone. So I've, I've got, I've, speaking speaking of the French angle, so I've got two things left I want to talk about before you get into the who made this. Sure. Um, one, do you think that the prince got beheaded during the French Revolution? Mm, is that a real question i don't real question i'm actually wondering if these people got beheaded during the french revolution i don't i don't know i didn't really do research on like the actual i know there are real stories behind everybody that are that is in this but i didn't just do the research on it i have no idea yeah i don't know it's a fun thing to think about um <laughs> but the other th- the other thing I want to uh, talk about before you start really kind of getting into the movie is w- this movie does something very interesting with the stepmother, and it d- it does it with several characters. Like you said, that one of the stepsisters is nice, and one of them is the vain, uh, self absorbed jerk. I think the stepmother gets a lot of good development in this movie because it's not she is the existence and exemplification of pure evil in the world there are a couple scenes where she's talking with drew barrymore and you legitimately get the idea of i don't like that we have this strained relationship but i don't know how to admit it and i don't know how to fix it dude and i i like that I really like that in this movie. I really want to commend this movie for making her into just a bad character that you can kind of see like where they're coming from rather than just like she just pisses pure evil when she wakes up in the morning. Oh, I I love the crap out of that too. Everything that whether it was Angelica or the director doing that, um they did the same thing with Kate Blanchett in the uh the 2015 one. They gave her so much more depth and understanding from where she's coming from for how why she's lashing out the way she does. Like it's just that she's at least in the 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 Kate Blanchett one, like she's just hurt that she doesn't want to be there. Oh, I got she that was, I got that from her in this movie too, is that she's hurt and she doesn't know what to do, but now she has to be someone of power and someone of like determination and she doesn't know what to do. Right, yeah, you you get the empathetic angle of like why she's upset and she's just taking Blue it out on again. her. <laughs> you get that in both versions. That's what I'm saying. And like, and the fact that they both had fantastic actresses, Angelica Houston and Kate uh, uh, Blanchett. Like the the these two adaptations of the stepmother have just been wonderful. And if anybody wants to do this again and doesn't do the stepmother like this, you're just don't even make the movie because it adds so much more when. The stepmother she's, gets to develop like this. She's and she and, and and the thing is, she does come across as the clear villain in the movie. But it, it's just you don't see someone counting cards and man, and manipulating and calculating every single decision and move. Well, and it, it's not evil just because somebody has to be evil and someone has to be yeah. the antagonist. Like that's that's some again in both versions. I, it I makes genuinely, her a real... I genuinely believe that is her character. Is I'm hurt and I don't know what to do, but I'm trying to be 
powerful and a leader in this household at a time where women are not looked upon to be that way, mind you. And I, I, I just found that development of the character so much better than just the, and I'm not saying it's the best development of a character ever. I'm just saying compared to the cartoon Disney version we get where it's just, she wakes up and it's just like, like, Compared to that, it's way better than that because you genuinely see someone that is hurt and trying to figure out what to do and and they don't know what to do, but they can't ask for help because they need to exemplify power and show that women can do it too at a time where they're not supposed to. In society. In society's eyes. Totally. I took the words out of my mouth, dude. It's Anyway, um, since I forgot to say it at the top, uh, just real quick, who made this movie? It is written, or sorry, it is directed by Andy Tennant. Uh, Andy is known for directing and producing numerous episodes of the Netflix series The Kaminsky Method, which is a big hit for that channel, uh, believe it or not. Um, He also directed um, Hitch, the Will Smith movie, Sweet Home Alabama, the Reese Witherspoon movie, and Fool's Gold, which starred Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. Um, And the film was written by Susanna Grant, Andy Tennant, Rick Parks, and it is from Cinderella, written by Charles uh, Puralt. I hope I said that right. Probably didn't. Um, And if it wasn't obvious, uh, Drew Barrymore, Angelica Houston, Duggery Scott um, star in this movie. But also, I just want to mention that uh, also in this cast, uh, I never say this girl's name right, Uh, Melaine Linsky. She plays Rose on Two and a Half Men, so I'm a big Two and a Half Men fan. I just wanted to point that out, <laughs> that Rose is in this. <laughs> um, and then also, the the really creepy guy with the goatee that uh, was funding uh, the, the land that they owned, he is Richard O'Brien, the creator and star, he played Riff Raff, on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So that kind of got me geeked out a little too. Because <laughs> I never saw you're ta- anything. You're talking the, the French guy that she gets sold to at the end? Yeah, that guy wrote. So I he literally wrote Rocky I, Horror Picture Show. I was looking show. at him. I was mm-hmm. looking at him in the movie and I was like, is that the Monopoly guy from When Nature Calls? The second Ace Ventura movie? And I looked him up and it's not. But I, for a second, was about to lose my mind. Like, why are you in this movie, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he. Um... it is not. If we ever watch Rocky Horror Picture Show for the show, um, he plays Riff Raff, the the bald guy with the with the hunch, and uh, I, and he wrote he wrote every song in the screenplay, and I just I, I don't know, it was kind of amazing to see him in something else that wasn't that, because I I honestly God can't say if I have, but um, yeah, I, I just wish he was in the movie more. That's another complaint I have is that they kind of forget he's in the movie until he's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so yeah, where where do you want to start it, talking it, about this? I don't know. There's a lot to there's a lot of things that I want to praise and a lot of things I just want to analyze. Um, I I do want to start with Cinderella herself in this movie because I I had a note pretty early on and I was like, oh my god, is this just, is this going to be Titanic except the old lady Cinderella? Um, and yes, but. Uh, <laughs> doesn't take 45 minutes to get to the story either but um yeah <laughs> Cinderella in this movie we were talking about like she's she's so much more well developed and woke and 
uh, feministic and stuff like that. But the the thing that I find really interesting about her character in this one is she doesn't. I'm not trying to get on like a soapbox and preach about the like Disney princess syndrome or whatever the word like the term is for it, because I like she's not waiting around for Amanda rescue her. And I'm not even trying to say like, that's exactly what's happening in the cartoon one. But like in this one, literally if the story doesn't happen, she's still probably just fine. I mean, like she's like, yeah, I'm just going to tend to the land and I'm going to help restore the value of my father's legacy and his land. And it's like, you know what? Cool. Like, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. I mean, she still has to deal with the, the the stepmom and the stepsisters. I mean, at least one of the stepsisters, because uh, Rose. Yeah, Ro- but I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep I'm calling her Rose. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a Cinderella fan, and and I know, or I'm not fans. Not the right word. I'm not a Cinderella expert, and I know you kind of are between the two of us. Um, but the what I'm getting at is, <laughs> but what but what I'm getting at is like. From what I remember, it was much more dire of, oh my god, she needs rescued from this situation. She doesn't really need rescued from the situation all that much. She's just like, yeah, stuff sucks, but if you work hard, you'll get out. If I work hard, I bet I can get out of it. Yeah, it's not as dire and um, outright abusive, no. But it's still not... It's still living... There's, There's clear favoritism in the family, but there's not like... I mean, there's emotional, there's emotional and verbal abuse, I'm sure, but like, it's not like, it's not like, oh my god, how can you bear to live, type deal. Yeah, it's it's just the living in the shadow, or not living in the shadow. It's the it's the it's 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 a level of resentment that you're only here because of the man I married, and now I'm stuck with you, and I didn't want you to begin with. Because you saw, like, right at the beginning, the the first impression, like, she's a tomboy. She likes playing in the mud with her cousin and, like, not being a yeah. a, prim, a prima donna prince, like, a princess, quote-unquote. Like, she's just one of the guys, and she believes in liberation and um, not living up to these set social standards. And I like that that's more prominent in this one. Like, there's there's such a richer world building that i mean i haven't seen the animated one in a while or the live action one the other one but i i i don't remember that being prevalent at all like it really was just like the oh woe is me and then the fairy godmother fixes yeah, everything she, seem, she she seems more depressed that her dad died and his legacy is being tarnished by what the baroness and the two stepsisters are doing she seems more upset by you're ruining my family's legacy and not like, dear God, I'm just so miserable and I want out of this life. Like, yeah. she's just kind of like, you guys are ruining everything. And if you would just move on and let me take over, I could fix this. Yeah, I, there is a little bit of that in the 2015 one, I remember. Like, the 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 final confrontation at the end when she is the when she is married and, like, spares the mom from getting killed, but she also gets the final mic drop of, like, they Blue almost scored again. <laughs> it's almost it's almost not quite verbatim but it's the same tone of like when she says this is the last i'm ever going to think of you ever again like that line is almost said verbatim in the 2015 one also like that same mic drop like i won moment which oh i love that so much like each time i've seen it like the i i don't know it's almost like walter white when he says i won at the end of breaking bad like <laughs> yeah 
but yeah, it's um, but the uh, I'm trying to think of. I'm pulling up my notes now. Actually, um, <laughs> one of my first notes is "Ha, roses in this." <laughs> oh, her name. We did, we're glancing right over a massive change that's not in any of the other adaptations, at least that I've seen. She actually has a name. Her name is Danielle, and her nickname is the Cinder Girl. And in every other one, she was Ella, and they just called her Cinderella. Eh, eh, eh. I thought that was an interesting change for this one was that she actually got a name. Well, that's the thing is like a lot of stuff in this movie feels like the brothers changed it so that it wouldn't be about a specific person to preserve anonymity, but also just go off the nicknames of people because a lot of times when you have stories like this, it's it's tall tales and nicknames and it's not the actual names of the people because they are they are more legendary than their actual name well um, clarify if i've misunderstood this first part of the movie this was the woman clarifying what the brothers grim got wrong because that yes. those yeah those yes. were the brothers grim in that room and she, she says you you she called she calls she calls the brothers grim and she goes normally i don't talk to i like your work but i just want to tell you everything you <laughs> she basically is like i'm gonna start a youtube trend of everything wrong with uh and it's gonna be a movie about it and <laughs> bing, she's like bing 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 <laughs> she's like first off her name's elizabeth you dumb and second she was not as like needing help as you made her out to be (laughs) so funny i uh another big change in the story that i liked was um how she ran into the prince was really fast was really interesting to me because we didn't was the prince was the prince wanting to escape his responsibilities in other things that you've seen because i don't remember that from the cartoon one um, the prince was, um, I'm going off the 2015 one. Um, the prince was apprehensive about the arranged marriage that he was going to have, but I don't remember him fully like running away from home and like actually getting the time to like be with Danielle or Ella, um, to the extent hey, that this hey, one was. Hey. <laughs> I mean, Can again, I going to the altar for your wedding and someone is just sobbing that hard next to you uh, to about the thought of marrying you. Dude, she was crying like someone stabbed her in the stomach before she got to the altar. <laughs> she was she was crying like someone was like, "Hey, your dad's going to walk you down the aisle" and then shot their head off. <laughs> it was like a literal Hey, look at your dad to walk you. Bang. It was like a literal shotgun wedding. Like, if you don't say yes, I will shoot you in the face. <laughs> and if you do say yes, I'm going to shoot you in the foot. Either way, you're getting shot. Oh, my God. But uh, I, I, I am going to put full disclosure. I haven't seen the 2015 one in a very long time. So if I, if I misremember something, I just that's why. But uh, but no, that's something back to when they actually not met because they met uh, while he was running away. When she's rescuing the husband of one of the maids, and they meet that way, <laughs> and then that's the start of the whole ruse. Like that. Don't being I a know whole... you from somewhere? No. Because <laughs> that's all you need is just oh no. <laughs> you saw me two hours ago, and I'm carry and I was the one charged with not spilling your big secret. But no, I don't know you. 
I I really like that. I really like that being a part of the story so much because it feels a lot more realistic. But then on top of that, that also allows them to explore the again the world building, like the the fact that there's Their they talk about the world just of makes the. More sense. Yeah. Just in general, it makes more sense. Like it's almost like they were like, "What if we took the story of Cinderella and made it Romeo and Juliet?" And the instead of it being uh, rival gangs, it's uh, classism that's keeping them apart. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Because because really, like, I don't. Again, I'm not I'm not the expert on this story, but from what I remember. The first time they meet in the other story was at that dance, right? And then yeah. yeah. And then they're just like so behooved with each other and then she loses her shoe at the thing of midnight and then like all the stuff starts undoing but the shoe doesn't for some reason. And then he runs around and he's like I got to shove this on people's stanky feet and then he finds out it's Cinderella and then they're like come live in my umbrella and then she's like a and he goes a and then a um, I really thought but, you were. I thought you were gonna. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go from a a to the Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then on their honeymoon, it's come live under my umbrella. <laughs> Olive that's, Garden, cater your wedding reception. That's one. Th- that's one thing we've kind of been. Uh, we've missed a couple times is calling out the Olive Garden scenes more blatantly. But of course, this time there isn't like an explicit Olive Garden scene. <laughs> well, so y- you talk about the chemistry of them, and it's it's funny because they have that one night together, and this came out at a time where Titanic. Uh, that Romeo and Juliet version that we did where the Mm -hmm. one night together of passion. And then there's like the bed frame and it's like that bed frame where it's got like posts and like a a frame on top. And then you hang like, like sheer curtains off of it, but like you can still see everything. So what is the point of those curtains? But like, there's like that sweeping shot where it passes by and it's like the sheer curtain obstructive view. And then it like goes to where it's not. This is a really like in-depth analysis, but you know, the exact scene I'm talking about, there's like candles everywhere. And then there's that one music in the background. Like, and then like you hear some R and B singer in the background and he's like, shove it in your butt. No, it's, um, Oh damn it! It's um um it's from Deadpool the uh, the uh it's that. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say X gonna give it to you. <laughs> X Car- gonna give it to you. Oh oh. oh. No, careless careless no, whisper by George like, Michael. That's what I was trying like to say. That- <laughs> they've they've got like that very distinct they've got that very distinct like it's it's literally the scene that the room was trying to have when he has sex with that girl's belly button, and. <laughs> In Armageddon? <laughs> no, 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 no. In the room. Oh, the room. <laughs> um, I thought you were talking about the animal crackers in Armageddon. <laughs> no, but so like they're they're doing that. We're like you know the exact scene I'm talking about, where it's the yeah. R and B scene with the candles, with the specific bed frame, with the sheer blinds, and you get the like really weird like love music in the background, and it's like yeah. very slow, passionate sex scene. That was all the rage at this time frame. And I think it actually shows a ton of restraint to not put that in this movie. 
Yeah, and well, I mean, this was clearly aimed for a younger audience. Um, by the way, uh, I do want to add something to that, but um, yeah, but okay, this is aimed the, at younger audiences, but still, this movie, this movie was rated. Was it PG thirteen? What's it rated? It was PG thirteen for. <laughs> it was rated PG thirteen for momentary strong language. Did you hear what the what the what the cuss word was? Or I can't di- remember. I can't. I can't remember. But before I get before we get off track, what I'm getting at is PG thirteen. That's a PG. That's a nineties PG thirteen. Nineties and early two thousands PG thirteen. Uh, romance sex scene. That's the yeah. epitome of what I just described, and they chose to not put it in this movie. And I think that was actually a really smart decision. Because it's not just, oh my god, they can't resist each other's bodies. It's, oh my god, they legitimately have a connection with each other. They have an emotional and um, mental connection to each other. Yeah, they. Yeah, uh, and that, and and not only that, you have that justification in a movie uh, about a story where that story is notorious for she saw him, he saw her, and then he had a foot fetish and found her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is actually a really good job of developing that story because it makes you forget what the what the most well-known version of this story actually is. Is, yeah, they clearly just wanted to bone. Yeah. Um, the actual, um, I do have a question about the rating real quick, or after, but um, since we're talking about it, um, I was actually genuinely, like, I actually teared up a little bit because I I'm a sensitive emotional person. If listeners don't know that by now, um, I actually got really emotional with. <laughs> Maybe um, that's why you like drinking, dude. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> the uh, I'm sorry, I just had was, to throw that out there again. <laughs> the scene when um they they meet after that night and they embrace, but then she starts crying and she runs away from him. After she says that was the best night of my life, that really got me. Like, I think the performances are just kind of okay to kind of good. Like, I mean, tr- I'm no shade against Drew. It's not a terrible performance at all. And the guy, I mean, he's he's okay. He's not the best. Drew, friends, Drew but... Barrymore, Drew Barrymore, very much can play the female romantic lead in a in a in a romantic comedy. But you're not gonna win Oscars in that role. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's like, she was she, fantastic like, in like, Fifty First Dates. It's 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 like Arnold being a really good action star. Congratulations, you're not gonna win awards for that though. Right. She well, yeah. I I just think of her. I like. She's done better roles than this, but it's still not a bad performance. I'm not trying to completely poo-poo yeah. on her. Was but... she married to Tom Green at this time, by the way? She was married to Tom Green? You didn't know she was married to Tom Green? No, I did not know that. I, I'm i very... Yeah. Hold on, I can pull... I, Freddie I Got up. Fingered, writer and star, was married to Drew Barrymore. I'm I'm pulling up her IMDb and not right only now that, because that's why she was in Freddy Got Fingered is because she was married to him. Um, she that's not on the very first part of the IMDb page, so never mind. I will try to find that later. Um, actually, no, I did not know that. That's really interesting. Um, but no, the um, oh, the other scene, the other scene I wanted to mention was really touching to me was 
admittedly, after the anticlimactic escape, which I, I am docking the movie a little bit for that because that was kind of anticlimactic how she got out. Like, cool, she did it herself. Like, awesome. Like, that's the, the, the feminist I can take care of myself aspect that they were doing with that. But it felt kind of cheap. Like, it kind of felt like they had a time limit and they just like, what's the quickest way we can get her out of this? <laughs> but... At the same time, when she does meet the prince outside, and he's just like, oh, well, I don't have to do anything except profess my love to you. When Drew he Barrymore and Tom Green were married from 2001 to 2002. So not during this. Okay, so it was after this. Um, but, but anyway, when, uh, when he does profess his love to her and it has the glass shoe moment, I, I completely forgot in that moment about how kind of kind of rushed uh her escape was and i just i got sweeped up in the moment again because like when it really wanted to pull your heartstrings their chemistry was really good it's just here and there throughout the rest of the movie it's just varying degrees of okay and like they're not, again they're not bad performances but it's just like okay i can kind of see the chemistry there but also kind of not because they're not the best performances but but like i said right then when they did the glass shoe moment i got really touched when she's crying telling him they can't be together like i got really touched there, there are genuine moments of great acting in this. Um, not just Angelica Houston. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, the other thing, before I forget, uh, the rating. You brought up that this was PG-13. Did you catch the one swear word that got this movie a PG-13? No. Did you find it? Um, I did. If, I, if they did say it in the movie, I completely missed it. But Because I had to go to IMDb, and apparently... Um, go ahead and get your pen out because I'm gonna say it. Um, the uh, uh, apparently Da Vinci says uh, at some point in the movie. So either I completely missed that, or man, I, I was I was honestly wishing it was the F word because I think it would have just been absolutely hilarious <laughs> if like she she shows up at, at the end of the movie and the evil stepmother looks up at her and she's like. I, I don't have to essentially she says I don't have to kill you but I don't have to I don't have to save you either but like I would have just laughed if like she walks out and like evil stepmother's like what the f are you doing here <laughs> they could have gone away with that PG-13s are allowed to have one f word that's not in the context of having sex like that's the rule if it's not about sex you can say the f word once but uh but no I I feel like Disney might have edited that because Disney has low-key been very mildly censoring some of their more adult movies, if you didn't know that. Like, um, there's... Uh, uh, I'm there's this. To, did I watch this on Disney? Yeah, I did watch it on Disney+. Plus. Maybe. So, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think he did... I will say this. I can't confirm to you I heard it in the movie, but now that you say he said that... I think I remember hearing him say that. Like, I think I remember him talking about it, saying okay. that line. So I really think I did hear him say it. I I didn't take the time to rewind it and try to try to find where it might have been, but I it was it had to have been one if it was in there and not edited by Disney. I it was a blink and you miss it because I <laughs> I don't distinctly remember because. Uh, I looked it up and they break down like all the like adult content on IMDb and that was the only thing in the profanity section was like was that <laughs> so that had to be the reason they got a PG-13 but um because you can't you can't say the S word in a PG movie but um but no the um dude their version of tennis in this movie is awesome it's like tennis mixed with racquetball 
I was gonna I was gonna ask actually like was that squash or racquetball or like what the hell was that? He he specifically said tennis. Oh, he did. He says I have a game of tennis with the so and so of so and so tomorrow. Would you mind coming to watch? Oh, I missed him say it was tennis. He, and I see, yeah, I, he's because if because if he didn't say it, I wouldn't think it was tennis. I would think, oh, it's tennis mixed with this. But he specifically calls it tennis. See, I thought it was squash because they had the wall, and I remember seeing them play squash in Fraser a few times. But yeah, no, I mean, if that was tennis, I mean, that's a weird way to play tennis. <laughs> like, what are the rules of like when you go to the wall and when not? But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was really weird, but yeah, I, I thought that was neat. So, oh, actually, actually, here I was just looking through my notes again too. Um, I wanted to, t- I wanted to bring up. Uh, did you think this movie was, uh, ridiculously funny? Like I did at parts. <laughs> there was a lot of really funny one-liners in this movie. Like Angelica Houston got out a couple quips that were really funny. Like, um, she, um, or she, I mean, she got out a couple more cult quips than anything, but um. Uh, the prince's dad, the prince's parents, actually, they were really funny. Like when, um, when the mom said, uh, remember, uh, be careful who you pick because you can only get divorced in England. Like that was a really clever joke that actually is based on, um, I read that that was, uh, a jab at Henry the <laughs> eighth. Yeah. So I, I didn't find it overtly funny, but I felt like there was an emphasis on humor that, like it, it would get like huh, out of me type humor, but it's not humor where it's like we're trying to make a slapstick comedy type humor, but it also it fit with the tone of the movie. Like, yeah, there was there was comedy and there was effort put in the comedy. I didn't find it to say what you said ridiculously funny, but like I did kind of like chuckle at moments. Well, I, I don't mean to oversell like this was a comedy. It's not a comedy, but like it is a historical romantic drama, but when it decided to like drop random jokes in here and there, like when the prince came into the parents' bedroom and like open, close, open, close, that was funny. And when uh, Da Vinci, Da Vinci had actually my favorite joke in the movie, even though I don't like him in the movie, when he opened the jail cell door and he's like, that when I'm dead and buried, they'll remember me as the man who opened the door. I thought that was really funny. I did like that one. (laughs) I did. I did think that was the funniest one in the movie. I was, um, I was just surprised that I was just surprised how often I found myself chuckling at just random one-liners that just popped up in this otherwise serious movie. <laughs> I uh, what's funny is that the times where it had comedy like that. Part of me made it made me think of Monty Python, and then like I just like I had a note of oh they got some really beautiful horses in this movie, and it makes me think of the scene where they're in the field and she's flying Da Vinci's kite and. Uh, not Da Vinci. The the prince comes by with some guy, and she goes and hides behind a hay bale. And they're like, "Well, that's Da Vinci's kite right there." And at no point do they go, "Why is that just there? Maybe there's someone behind it." They're like, "What's up with that?" And then it flies away. But like, I don't know. For some for some reason, sometimes I got Monty Python vibes from it, where it's like, "Yeah, you're making a medieval movie with some comedic elements in it," but I I don't. It made me kind of snicker, but like I, I didn't, I didn't laugh really hard, really at any moment. Okay, I got, I got you. Did you actually? <laughs> I thought of, I thought of you when um, I'm never gonna say the sister's name right. Rose, uh, the the brunette, 
when she or black hair i forgot why do you keep calling her rose by the way because i i remember i i remember looking at her and it's like why have i seen this person before and i tried looking her up and i didn't see anything that stuck out to me because well i i said it on the top she uh she plays rose in two and a half men oh okay she's uh she's charlie stalker (laughs) who is charlie charlie sheen yeah, have you not watched one okay. episode of that show? Like, just casually, even one show? I've seen, like, two-minute chunks of it when, like, a show I was watching ends and it comes on and I don't grab the remote immediately, or vice versa, I turn on a show I want to watch too early and I see, like, the last two minutes of it. Oh, she, uh... Oh, my God, she's so funny. She just she just randomly shows up in the house. <laughs> and goes, Ooh, bless you. I'm waiting for the second one. <laughs> I'm good. Okay, she uh. But anyway, she she just shows up in Charlie's house because she she just magically knows how to break into his house randomly when the script calls for it. And in one episode, um, uh, Charlie's brother uh lets her in, and he's like, "You let in Rose?" And he's and he's like, "Yeah, why?" And he's like, "You remember she super glued my testicles to my thigh? Like, <laughs> she's just she's I don't know. It's just she's really funny in that show." But um, but that's why I keep calling her Rose. But uh, here in the movie, when they're at the ball, and she had the horse head on, and then the other guy had the horse head on too, <laughs> and they were like making like horse days at each other. I thought that was pretty funny too. Yeah, I do. I do like uh her uh quote unquote joke line at the end. She goes, "Why, uh, why I'm just here for the food, isn't that right, mother?" I did like I didn't find that funny, but I did like the oh snap of that moment of that moment. I know we I know we addressed it briefly earlier, but I I do really like that it wasn't both of the stepsisters like ragging on her. I kind of like that. I do I do I I do like that she like because at the because she is still kind of the evil stepsister because she does side with the evil stepmother and stepdaughter, but she's like. Do you guys not understand, like, how to use your conscience? Like, she, she's, she's on the evil side while at the same time she has a conscience and she is very, and she is swayed away from the stepmother when she realizes how much of a monster her and the one sister are. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's just, I think it was just a nice, another one of those nice changes, really, um, to have her be, like, kind of on her side like it just added it added some extra complex not complexity that's maybe too generous but um one of the other um did we we didn't really break down like why exactly we have an issue with da vinci did we like we've said like it's weird that he's in it but i from the moment he comes on screen he, he it's just so weird that he's in it because like he shows up and they're talking about something and he goes he got away with like my ninth painting or something and Kelsey goes said Kelsey said something along the lines when we watched it of like who she's like who is that and I was like I don't know it's got to be some sort of famous painter because he specifically mentions his ninth painting and then he gets it and he unravels it and it's the Mona Lisa and I was like oh of course it's Da Vinci I just think it's I don't know why he couldn't have been just some just famous not a literal like just a fictitious famous painter because like. It doesn't really, I don't know. It didn't do anything for me that it was like it, Da Vinci. It, it just, really, it, was more it really serves. It really serves no purpose that it's specifically Da Vinci. 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And then in the end, all he does is play like the straight man best friend. Like when the prince throws, uh, throws Cinderella out because what you're a peasant. And then he just goes, bro, you were perfect. Go back for her, bro. Like that's all he's really there for. Like it, it, it didn't really matter that it was Da Vinci. It, it, and it just made it more distracting for me. And not only that, it feels like it's specifically Da Vinci so they can, like, make the joke towards the end of the movie where it's like, uh, history will remember me as the guy that opened a door. It could literally be any other famous person. Like, that joke doesn't have to be Da Vinci. But, like, the specific like the specific jokes they get feel like real low-hanging fruit for Da Vinci. And it's like, it could, you could interchange it with so many people. It's just... I don't I don't know what purpose it served unless and I don't know the story. And but based on the things I've seen, this is the first time Da Vinci gets brought up in the Cinderella story. Unless specifically in the Brothers Grimm fairy tale, it is Da Vinci. I have no idea why it's him in this movie. I do I I I don't either. It's it's just distracting like it because he's such a prominent historical figure like just throwing him in here as like a side character just kind of is unnecessary and it's well before the da vinci code too so like da vinci wasn't even really on that many people's minds compared to what he was going to be in a couple years dude you know that book you wrote oh oh do i (laughs) if there's one movie we haven't (laughs) Mark your bingo card. Dan says, add something to the time machine list. Um, <laughs> if there's one movie we haven't done for the time machine, though, that we should be the most embarrassed about. Um, <laughs> is it Shawshank Redemption? Because someone keeps telling me it is. <laughs> um, I know we've been going at this for almost an hour, and we need to get to the question, but uh, the last other big is big issue that I want to talk about um, is Richard O'Brien's character, the Frenchman. Like, cause we didn't really like dive that deep into it e- him yet either. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, I felt like if anybody got shortchanged and just kind of, he kind of just felt like he was there for, it felt like he had a bigger story and they just kind of wrote him out except for like, just for the added extra final, like it didn't feel like they needed her to get kidnapped. It kind of felt like they could have just erased that character in general and she could have just been mopey at home, and then the prince finds her, like, knocks on the door incessantly, and is just like, I love you, and, like, say anything, like, not play the boombox, but, like... Because he, well, he doesn't... I don't know. Because he, he doesn't save her from him. Like, she escapes, and is like, you're just gonna let me go. Um, But at the same time, her character is strong and independent, and she doesn't really need save from anything, so, like... If she had to get saved, it would have been like that random thing where like it's a damsel in distress just because it's convenient for the plot for her to need saving at that moment. Well, and they and they subvert that by having her like be independent and in her own like she gets she saves herself. But yeah, really, they could have just erased that character altogether because they could have just owned the land. Did they really need this angel investor storyline that didn't really add up to anything it just kind of it threw stakes in there that kind of didn't feel like were really necessary or really had that much weight to it it just felt like they were trying to find like it felt felt like they were trying to shoehorn that in unnecessarily when the movie already had enough emotional stakes with 
the romance and the classism in it. Like, it just seemed kind of unnecessary for him to be in it at all, at least to me. Yeah. So who would you cast Nick Cage to be and why? <laughs> I I just complained about him, but if he has to be in the movie, I kind of would have loved to have seen Nick as uh, as that guy, honestly. Yeah, that's just... it, it's actually my answer is I want to see Nick Cage be a creepy <laughs> uh, French weirdo guy. Yeah, me too, honestly. Like... <laughs> And I just complained about him being in the movie in general, but I mean, Nick Cage with that goatee and bald and that that kind of too French accent, like a cartoonishly French accent, like I, yeah. oh, it's it's too perfect. Even though Richard O'Brien is awesome, like yeah. he's, <laughs> but um, I I mean, do you are you seeing anything else in your notes that you think we need to address? Not really. Yeah, I'm not I'm not either other than I hope every adaptation of Cinderella from now on doesn't have the fairy godmother or talking mice. That honestly is save that for the cartoon. If you're going to do it with live people, just excise that in general. Keep it grounded because if I have the choice, I'd rather it be grounded like this than what they did in the animated one personally. But yeah, I guess with that, that is our thoughts on Ever After. So we are going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we will remind you what we are doing the rest of the week. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode of Brownie Points. Happy birthday, Nikki. Thank you so Happy much. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you so I hope much. It's unfugettable. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, thank you for the recommendation, and thank you everybody for tuning into this episode. And thank you, Ivan Marfna Fugue, as always, for the bumper music. Uh, my guitar riff before this one, I can't remember because this is technically premiering first, but it's the time machine. So yes, your yeah, your guitar riff will still be there, and I didn't just think of that now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yes. Given that the time machine was today, that means this Thursday, two days from now, is going to be our new release, and it is the new film debuting on HBO Max, starring Angelina Jolie, Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's from Taylor Sheridan, the creator of Yellowstone and the writer of Sicario and a lot of other great thrillers. That is going to be our second review of the week. Uh, see it in theaters if you feel safe. Uh, otherwise, it's on HBO Max, like I said. Nick. Remind everybody where they can reach out to us like Nikki if they have a recommendation for us. Facebook, Brandy Points Guide to Cinema. Instagram, Brandy underscore points underscore guide. And Twitter, at Brandy underscore cinema. As well as Brandy Points Guide to Cinema. Is here. Dot com. Send us Brandy Bites ideas with their topics to discuss, countdowns to do, or movie trailers to review. Or movies to see whether they're in theaters or streaming time machines or new releases. We're on Letterboxd as well. Dan is capital D, Brandy 49, and I'm somewhere on there. Also, whatever platform you listen to us on, leave us a rating, the highest rating that you can give us, uh, words and stars and all that jazz. Uh, it's the best way to help us grow and break through algorithms, especially since we don't have presenting sponsors or a Patreon. Um, if we get reviews, I'll read them on air, as well as recommendations to our Facebook page. I might be looking up now. Oh, man. <laughs> try to find it. I'm, try to find it before I'm you fall falling apart. apart. <laughs> brownie points, not brownie sports. <laughs> Hey, that can be our sports spinoff podcast when that inevitably Brownies, happens. 
Brownie Sports Guide to Cinema. <laughs> Brownie Sports Guide to, uh, God, I don't know. I have to if we do the, do that. Nope, your si- your sister's the last one. Oh my gosh. Um. Oh wait, no, we already called out Shane. Uh, we need to call out someone. Nikki, else. since it's your birthday, give us a present. Leave us a review. <laughs> Come on, we've reviewed two movies for you. Please leave us a review. Oh my god. <laughs> Not that we're desperate for anything. <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know. It rhymed. I thought that was good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, listeners, 2021 so far has been better than 2020, but it will only get better if you continue to wear your mask, wash your hands, open your ears and your hearts, and give a damn about each other, and get your vaccine. Nick and I already have our first shots. Uh, we are in the waning weeks uh, away from getting our second shot, and the show should finally be back to normal uh a month from now in june so we're very much looking forward to that and um hope you get your shot as well that is the only way that 2021 will end up being better than 2020 thank you so much again for listening to our thoughts on ever after those who wish me dead is gonna come out on thursday and if you haven't yet uh since fast and the furious is back in theaters every week they're playing a new movie or one of them i shouldn't say new (laughs) they're playing every movie leading up to fast nine all of the films have been reviewed by us over the past two months so feel free to check those out as well so with that that is all we got we will see you on thursday we haven't said well the next week's picks are uh, after the time machine i feel dirty and weird But, like, I would have just laughed if, like, she walks out and, like, evil stepmother's like, what the f*** are you doing here? <laughs>